Do you like free stuff? I do. BlueprintMCAT.com. Go sign up for a free account. Get access to Blueprint MCAT's Diagnostic, Blueprint MCAT's Full Length One, Blueprint MCAT's amazing brand new space repetition platform with over 1,600 flashcards already made for you, as well as their amazing study planner tool. Schedule out the content so you know if you are on track to take the MCAT when you need to. Again, that's blueprintmcat.com for all of those free goodies. The MCAT Podcast, session number 274. A collaboration between the medical school headquarters and Blueprint MCAT. The MCAT Podcast is free MCAT prep to help you understand the MCAT, teach you how to break down questions, and give you the skills and confidence to get the score you want on your MCAT test day. Learn more about Blueprint MCAT at blueprintprep.com slash MCAT. And welcome to the MCAT Podcast. My name is Dr. Ryan Gray, your host here every week, where I help you navigate the MCAT, this little thing called the MCAT. We'll get there one day. I do that with the help of our partner on this podcast, Blueprint MCAT. If you haven't gone over to blueprintmcat.com yet to sign up for a free account, you should. Today, we are tackling the Blueprint MCAT Diagnostic Cars Passage 5, the notorious cars section. We're going to crush it, hopefully, today as we jump in. Don't forget, you get this diagnostic for free by signing up for that free account over at blueprintmcat.com. So all of the questions that we've been covering for the last few months, you can go along with us, listen to us, break down each question, look at the passage, how do we break it down, look at the questions, how do we rephrase and figure out what the right answer is. And our goal here, I know some of you are frustrated potentially with with how I attack these problems, these passages, because I am very far removed from this content. And some of for some of you, that's frustrating. And I understand that. But my goal here is to show you that even without some of that content knowledge, the way that I'm able to break down some of the questions, and not always, some of them are just straight up, you have to know it. And, and those are, are more frustrating. But a lot of the questions I can just figure out Uh, just using some critical thinking, some analysis, which is what the MCAT is all about. So hopefully listening to where I make some cognitive errors, where I make some right assumptions is going to help you. And I hear it from you as well. uh, That will help you on your journey to doing well on the MCAT. So let's go and jump into our passage today. Evan back for another episode of the MCAT podcast. Four out of five last week. Uh, Hopefully five out of five this week. What do you think? Let's do it. I'm, I'm ready to see it. Um, so let's let's talk about the, the difference, right? Before last week's episode, we talked about kind of what you do in between passages, kind of taking deep breath, closing your eyes, kind of trying to forget the, the pain of the previous passage. Mm-hmm. What happens when you think you've done really well with a passage? You're like, oh, that was easy. How do you avoid bringing that kind of ego to the next passage? I think the same way. Uh, I think you take a second to refresh, recalibrate, and also I think remembering kind of in the same way that we'd, um, I kind of mentioned sometimes people will have a a disposition against a certain type, like, oh, I hate the economics or the art history or whatever passages it is, kind of like I did when I was a student. Mm -hmm. The same way that you shouldn't get 
too, too confident. It's, it's great. You should feel confident in the test, but don't get into the mindset so much you're overconfident that you're missing out on details. You're not putting forward the same level of attention. So just remember, go back to the basics, go back to the things that we talk about. Look for the main idea, look for the author's opinions, try to figure out any important main arguments that are made, because that's generally what they like to ask questions about. So if you can really hammer on those things and critically read for those three or four ideas, you're gonna be in a really good shape no matter what you know subject the passage is on, no matter any of those details, you're gonna be in really good shape going forward with that type of strategy. Awesome. All right, let's go ahead and jump into our passage today. Passage five, exciting, moving along. Um, and, and let's see how we can do this time. Absolutely. So kind of like last time, I'm just going to walk through um, paragraph by paragraph. I might stop in the middle of paragraph sometimes to throw you a question, Ryan. But in general, we're kind of just going to be moving through the same way. Okay. So first paragraph, I'm just going to read it out for us. If a drug company could take all of the positive effects of exercise and put them into a pill, they'd be the most successful company in history. It is, in fact, nearly impossible to overstate the positive effects that regular exercise has on nearly every facet of the body's physiological and the mind's psychological state. Exercise has been demonstrated to not just slow the progression of, but to reverse many of the symptoms of type 2 diabetes heart disease, high cholesterol, and hypertension. It can delay the onset of dementia, reduce symptoms of anxiety and depression disorders, and aid in smoking cessation programs. All right, first paragraph. Ryan, do you see any opinions for us in there? Any opinions <laughs> that our author has? Um, no, no opinions. Um, they, I, this is one that I have to tread carefully with. I was an exercise physiology major in, in college and was a personal trainer for many years. So I'm like, yes, yes, yes. Agree. I agree. I agree. Um, so yeah, I, I think the author is very bullish on uh, exercise and it's, it's effects on health. Yeah. And I think I do like that because you're, you're cognizant of the fact you might want to tread carefully here and you might not want to confuse your own opinion versus the author's opinion. If it's something you know a lot about or you really like or really dislike, we can actually, I think, something we can do here to reassure yourself that you're on the right track. Can you find just, for example, maybe one or two words or phrases in that first paragraph that show us definitively what our author's opinion is? Yeah. Um, the the one place where potentially I could see the author's opinion, um, <sighs> nearly impossible to overstate the positive effects that regular exercise has on blah, blah, blah. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's a very clear example of the, you know, really the main idea of this first paragraph, as well as how that's wrapped up into our author's opinion. You're absolutely right. That, that's an awesome place. I think that's a great way to look yep. at this first paragraph here. Okay. Perfect. All right. Awesome. I think that's good enough. Paragraph two. And yet, when patients meet with their physicians, the overwhelming majority of primary care doctors fail to discuss the importance of exercise with patients. To the extent that the topic is discussed at all, the doctor will make, at best, passing remarks about the importance of an exercise program. Even more perversely, there's a strong correlation between lower economic class and decreased likelihood of physician-recommended exercise programs, despite the even stronger correlation between lower economic status and many of the diseases that exercise would most directly benefit. 
most notably obesity and type 2 diabetes. That is to say, those patients who need, most need regular exercise are the ones least likely to have a doctor that strongly recommends such a program. Okay. You said in the first paragraph, Ryan, that you thought our author is really bullish on exercise here. What opinions do we see in that second paragraph? <laughs> um, I don't want to talk about it because as a physician, I feel attacked here. Uh, <laughs> uh, I feel attacked by the author basically saying that physicians don't do a good enough job talking about exercise. I love that. And I mean, really, we do see that that blame being placed on the doctors, at least in this paragraph, because it's saying we see this language. Doctors fail to discuss the importance of exercise. Mm -hmm. Doctors or even more perversely, that's another very key phrase that's showing us opinions mm. here. And I really love that kind of final sentence. It's just breaking it down for us. That is to say, right, patients who need regular exercise the most are the ones who are least likely to have doctors recommending it. Otherwise, those are the ones who are getting let down the most. So I think, honestly, any of those three places are completely great mm. for highlighting because they're showing one what our author's our argument is or idea is, is that physicians are not doing adequate um, job of addressing exercise and its importance. And it's showing us their opinion because it's in their own words, their own flavor here. Perfect. Yeah. Great, great so far. Okay. Paragraph three. Why this connection exists is still somewhat unclear, although research is slowly shedding light on the topic. Fundamentally, Public health scientists examine two different facets of the correlation, patient-sided factors and healthcare provider-sided factors. Thus, working in lower-class patients may not have access to the kind of doctors that will recommend exercise, or doctors may change how they treat patients based on perceived economic status. A little bit shorter paragraph here. Brian, what stood out to you? What, what were like new information were they giving us here? Uh, really the new information to me seems like nobody knows why this happens or we're, we're trying to figure this out. I agree. Yeah. It seems like we're certainly not sure, somewhat unclear that our author is pretty, pretty straightforward on that. And the one other thing I think that they add here is that they kind of are in some ways proposing or speculating maybe on some explanations here. They say, well, those who study this say it's probably either this or this, either the patient-sided factors or the healthcare provider-sided factors. And they want to kind of disentangle those and see which, is, which of those are important. Are they both important? That's kind of how I might, you know, it's unclear, but they have some leads maybe. Mm. Perfect. Okay. All right, let's keep reading. Next paragraph. To date, research seems to suggest both of these factors work in concert. In a groundbreaking study at the University of Arizona College of Medicine, experimenters created audio recordings of over 5,000 patient-physician interactions for patients that were classified as obese. The patient population was categorized into three broad categories of economic class based on income. Researchers found that physicians were 22% more likely to discuss exercise regimens with the high-class patient group than the lowest. And that when exercise was discussed, doctors spent a staggering 420% more time in conversation about exercise with the high economic class group than either the middle or low class group. Despite these stark findings, 
the researchers' failure to control for factors of ethnicity and gender have created large enough concerns about methodological validity to lead some critics to dismiss the study entirely. Hmm. How does this new paragraph that's telling us about this research, how does this kind of fit into what they just told us in the paragraph before? Um, so the paragraph before, again, patient-cited factors, healthcare pro- uh, provider-cited factors. Mm-hmm. Um, so working in lower caste patients may not have access to the kind of doctors that will recommend exercise or doctors may change how they treat patients based on perceived economic class. I mean, to me, like if, if I were being nitpicky about that, I'm like, those are both doctor related, uh, healthcare related factors, I'm like, cause every doctor should do it. So, um, if you have doctors for lower socioeconomic people not doing that, then that's still the doctor's fault. Anyway, yeah. um, uh, trying to tie it in, I mean, this is really, it seems like, um, I, I don't, I don't know. It's, it's focusing on both. It's kind of giving us an idea of, of what's going on of like, Hey, um, physicians were 22% more likely to discuss exercise regimens with high class patient groups. Okay. Um, and when exercise was discussed, doctors spent 420% more time talking about exercise with the high economic class group than either middle or low class. So I think the 22% more likely is the patient side of factors, potentially how they divided it. And the 420 is the the physician sided. Yeah, I think think that's reasonable. I think um, looking at that in general, I could see that. I could see an argument for either. We do kind of see, and I'm going to kind of foreshadow a little bit here. We're going to see the next (laughs) paragraph. In the next paragraph, they're a little bit more explicit of which one of these two they're discussing. So maybe by elimination, process elimination, we might be able to figure out exactly which one. But you said you're kind of kind of in the middle here. It seems like some parts are healthcare provided, some parts are patient-sided. Well, again, I, I think they're all healthcare related, healthcare sure, provider sure. related. But that's yeah. outside opinion, right, Ryan? <laughs> Darn it, but already. I wanna I wanna argue my opinion. Maybe we can, uh, I don't think this one has the author uh, listed here. You could just send them an email or an <laughs> email about it. Uh, maybe they redacted that on purpose. <laughs> That's why I podcast, so I can give my opinion to everyone. What? I mean, even even those those two bits that you uh, that you pulled out there, I think are really important because they're showing, like you mentioned, it seems like doctors treat patients differently mm-hmm. based on how much money they make. That's kind of, if I was going to summarize in a bullet point, that's what this is reassuring. And it's just giving us extra information. We already kind of know that based on what they said before, but this is just doubling down and reinforcing that with a study. Yeah. All right. Next paragraph then. Like this one's a little bit more straightforward and telling us what they're actually discussing here. Okay. More promising are results obtained from examining the patient-sided factors including frequency of patient-initiated discussions about exercise programs and patient access to high-quality primary care. Here, surveys of both patients and healthcare workers have demonstrated a strong correlation between a patient's economic class and their likelihood of initiating a conversation about exercise with their healthcare provider. This correlation seems to exist regardless of the health status of the patient and any similarities between the patient and provider in terms of demographic categories. The findings suggest, perhaps, that patients from higher economic classes are simply more comfortable initiating conversations with their healthcare professionals. 
Okay. So it's a little bit more explicit here. Mm -hmm. This one is talking about the patient cited factors. So maybe yep. we were just going to yeah. give it a, a label to the other one. Maybe our author thinks that that prior paragraph was more about the healthcare provider cited factors, right? Just that's what makes sense here, the way that they're labeling it. Got it. So Ryan, what, what are they telling us about our patient cited factors here? Uh, yeah, the same. Just uh, those who um, have higher economic class are more comfortable potentially initiating conversations, having these conversations, um, having physicians who are having these conversations. Yeah, it's it's uh it's coming from two sides, right? It's the it's the the rock and the hard place here. So either it's the doctor, so in the in the the healthcare providers cited um, interactions or factors. The author is saying, oh. Maybe the doctors are doing something to make it more difficult or are doing less to help out patients of lower socioeconomic status. Or the other side is maybe the patients are doing it to themselves to some yeah. degree. That's kind of what, but it's coming in the same direction. They're both harming and benefiting different, the same groups here. So I think, you know, highlighting any of these bits is fine, but I, I really like that last sentence from this paragraph because it just says, these findings suggest that patients from higher economic classes are more comfortable. That's a great kind of rephrase or paraphrase of the, that paragraph as a whole. Yeah. All right. Final little bit here before we hop into the questions. So a final irony was revealed in the most recent major study published on the topic, which found no correlation between a patient's ability to start and stick with an exercise regimen and how frequently such programs were discussed with healthcare professionals. This is weird. Weird little factoid they're throwing at us in a, in a little sentence here. Ryan, what do you? How does this kind of fit into everything we saw before? This last little, last little bit. Um. So this last little bit, I read. I was very interested in it because I was like, so basically, the author is saying, well, there's actually a study that says it doesn't really matter what conversations have. Patients are going to do what they want. And I, I thought about that, and I was like, well, of course, right? Uh, I, I think back to uh, my mom used to be like a two- or three-pack-a-day smoker, and we would always, as kids, like, you need to quit smoking, you need to quit smoking. They don't, she's like, she, I'm not going to make her quit smoking. But she finally quit on her own. And it's like... As a physician, I can have these conversations and tell them the whatever blue in the mouth or whatever the saying is. Yeah. But it, unless the patient is motivated themselves to do this thing, then it doesn't matter. And so maybe we shouldn't have conversations about exercise at all. That's where that conclusion I'm coming to. <laughs> Save maybe, time and maybe. push drugs. <laughs> maybe. So good point. I think that what you're saying there is probably largely true. In some ways, in some ways, at least anecdotally, sometimes there's stuff like that. But our author, does our author ever actually propose No, that? the author doesn't. I'm just adding a lot of my own in here. Yeah. Yeah. Good. So like <laughs> you said, you know a lot about the stuff. You have a lot of experience with it. Degree in exercise, physiology, lots of experience as a yeah. physician, right? This is something that you're familiar with. We got to be really, really, really careful um, to minimize our, you know, the encroachment of our own opinions here. So yeah sticking exclusively to the text here i did like the very the, the what you said there was true though at the beginning right seems like there's this other study that says oh actually maybe you know how long or how much we talk about exercise with the healthcare professionals doesn't really make a difference mm -hmm. so seems kind of conflicting reports here a little bit maybe it's not exactly clear and 
that is what they told us right off the bat that it was unclear yep. why this happened so this seems support right they give us all types of evidence and all types of you know, back and forth stuff that does make it seem unclear yep all right ryan how are you feeling about the uh the questions for this one is the five out of five incoming uh i feel less confident about this one because it i don't really feel a good solid foundation i i understand the author is basically saying hey we don't talk about exercise enough with people even though we know the benefits of exercise physicians don't bring it up patients don't bring it up uh and ultimately it doesn't really matter so let's let's move on to questions <laughs> so yeah let's i'm not i'm not feeling super confident of, of where this is gonna go well, we'll see. I mean, uh, let's not let's not get ahead of ourselves and you know, uh, automatically assume we're going to miss some. Because honestly, like we've mentioned before, you don't have to have a perfect understanding yep. to answer all the questions, right? So yeah. So question twenty one in the study uh, discussed in the fourth paragraph. So one, two, three, four. Okay. So this is the fourth paragraph. The researchers created audio recordings of the doctor-patient interactions in order to. Okay, it seems pretty straightforward. Answer choice A, prove that physicians unconsciously discriminate against lower class patients by not discussing exercise with them. Mm, no, they weren't trying to prove that. Uh, answer choice B, determine differences in doctor-patient interactions when the doctor and patient are of the same or different ethnicities. Uh, nope, we were told later on that uh, they didn't uh, factor and in ethnicity into these studies. So that's a flaw. So that's not the right answer. Answer choice C, ascertain whether doctors were more likely to discuss exercise regimens with obese male patients than with obese female patients. Uh, no, we didn't talk about sex at all here. Or D, assess both how often exercise was discussed and for how much time it was discussed. Answer choice D is the most likely answer here. So I'm gonna go with D yeah, I totally agree. And Ryan, you're exactly right here. Look to the right place. I love that. If it says, if it tells you in the question stem where to look, please, please look there for the answer. That's where it's going to be. They're, they're sneaky, right? I'm not going to lie. The people who write these tests are sneaky. They're not going to outright lie about where to look in the, in the passage. Yeah. Okay. 22. All right. 22. Which of the following studies would provide the best evaluation of the author's speculations at the end of the fifth paragraph? All right. I love they told swear to go again. Yes, I love that. That sometimes they're nice. Sometimes they're very generous. <laughs> the okay. Wanna read the answer choices? Yeah, absolutely. So answer choice A. A study examining how frequently patients ask physicians about medications other than the ones initially recommended by the doctor. B. A cross-sectional study that correlates ethnicity and gender with frequency of implementation of doctor-recommended exercise plans. C, a survey asking patients how many members of their immediate family are healthcare workers that specialize in exercise-based fields, such as physiatry or physical therapy. Or D, a longitudinal study that follows three different groups who are given three different doctor-prescribed exercise regimens to determine whether they are able to stick with the plan, and if not, why. Hmm. <sighs> All right, I'm confused with this one. All right, so just make sure I'm in the right spot. End of the fifth paragraph. Mm -hmm. One, two, three, four, five. All right, so I've highlighted the right paragraph. End of the fifth yes. paragraph, the author says, the findings suggest, perhaps, that patients from higher economic classes are simply more comfortable initiating conversations 
with their healthcare professionals. So mm-hmm. that's the hypothesis that we're going to evaluate here. So we need to create a hypothesis to test that. That's that's me re- rephrasing this question. Exactly, yeah. All right. So a study examining how frequently patients ask physicians about medications other than the ones initially recommended by the doctors. Potentially, right? So so I'm going to be thrown off here because I'm assuming exercise conversations. But this says patients from higher economic classes are simply more comfortable initiating conversations, period, mm-hmm. with their healthcare professionals. So yes. I like answer choice A for that reason, because this shows that these um, that that people potentially are more likely to have conversations, and we can see that. All right, answer choice B: a cross-sectional study that correlates ethnicity and gender with frequency of implementation of doctor-recommended exercise plans has nothing to do with that hypothesis. At the end of the fifth paragraph, a survey asking patients how many members of their immediate family are healthcare workers that specialize in exercise-based fields such as physiatry or physical therapy. Um, no, it has nothing to do with anything. I don't think a longitudinal study that follows three different groups who are given three different doctor prescribed exercise to bring whether whether or not they stick to it. So the sticking to it stuff is the end of the sixth paragraph, not the fifth. So that's like, did you know how to count? So I'm going to go with a, because it sounded the most right. And it was trying to throw me off. I think because everything's about exercise and I read this, I'm like, well, it's about medications. It's not about exercise. So I don't want to answer that. Yeah. Right. And that's, that's, such a good point. They did this intentionally, like you mentioned, that B, C, and D, we know the whole time in this passage, they're talking about exercise. But this one little snippet they're very specifically referring to us here doesn't make any mention of exercise specifically. So they're trying to trick us into picking an answer that's talking about exercise, but that isn't talking about this, you know, how comfortable you feel initiating conversations. A is the only one that's talking about a patient bringing up topic of conversation to their doctor and that's why it's the right answer yeah got it all right on a roll question 23 which uh for which of the following statements does the passage provide the least explanation or support so i'm going to highlight least there because remember we can highlight questions all right Answer choice A, a patient with type 2 diabetes who is trying to quit smoking may be able to improve both of these health factors with regular exercise. Heck yeah. That is definitely supported. Uh, Patients who discuss exercise plans with their physician are unable to stick with the plan due to how infrequently they are able to get checkups with their doctors. This is not supported because the last paragraph says there's no correlation. So I'm going to leave that there for now. Even studies that include a very large amount of data may nonetheless lead to questionable conclusions. I have no idea what that's talking about. (laughs) And choice D, patients' own behavior can influence the likelihood that their doctor will discuss exercise plans with them. Mm, Yeah, I think we, we know that, right? If they're comfortable initiating conversations, they're going to have conversations. So I think that is supported as well. I have no idea what this large amount of data, whatever it's, it's bringing up this um, failure to control for factors leads to questions, but I'm gonna go with B because that is against what the last paragraph says. 
yeah, I think that's a great point, Ryan, is that if something is least explained or least supported, it could either just have no support or it could even contradict something that's in the in the passage here. And, and B is contradicting uh, the end there. C is kind of, it's something we kind of have to infer a little bit here, but it's referring to in that fourth paragraph when they're mentioning that University of Arizona College of Medicine study where they got audio recording from 5,000 interactions. And despite it being such a great sample size, they still said that there's concerns about the methodological validity. So C is through that one example um, supported or explained in some ways. So we can rule out C because it does get some support there. Yep. Okay. All right. Question 24. Second to last question here from passage five. The passage author would be most likely to agree with which of the following assertions? Okay, so just asking us, does the author agree, which of these does the author agree with? Maybe looking back at the passage saying, where do we see the author's opinion and does it match up with one of these things? So I'll just go through our answer choices now. Yep. Answer A, patients in the lowest economic classes are just as likely to be able to stick with a doctor recommended exercise plan as patients in the highest economic classes? Answer B, a female doctor is more likely to discuss an exercise regimen with an obese female patient of lower economic class than a male obese patient from a higher economic class. C, the positive effects of exercise are overwhelming in the scope and profundity of effect on physiological conditions, but are very limited on psychological ones. And D, had the study described in paragraph four been conducted at a different institution, the researchers would have been more likely to use more robust controls. Hmm. Or E, none of the above. <laughs> um, all right. So again, you kind of rephrased it earlier. It's like, hey, we're going to read these and see if it fits in with everything going on. Um. Patients in the lowest economic classes are just as likely to be able to stick with a doctor-recommended exercise plan as patients in the highest economic classes. And again, this is most likely to agree with, right? Not least likely, most likely. Yeah. Um, and so we get to, I, I think this is a trap answer of like, oh yeah, that's what they said at the end. But it didn't say anything about economic classes. It said did you have conversations with your doctor? So there's there's no correlation here with economic classes. So I'm not going to answer this one. Potentially, are we supposed to infer like, well, um, uh, if economic classes has nothing to do with having those conversations and those conversations have nothing to do with uh, sticking to an exercise regimen, are we supposed to infer that <laughs> ipso facto, right? I, I don't I don't like that. So right now, I don't like that answer, but uh, I may have to come to it because I don't know if I like any of the other answers either. Um, a female doctor is more likely to discuss an exercise regimen with an obese female patient of lower economic class than a male obese patient from a higher economic class. Nowhere in here, which is one of the flaws, was gender and, and stuff was not brought in. So I don't think the author would go with this because we don't have any support for this. Okay. C, the positive effects of exercise are overwhelmingly in the scope of prof 
fundity of effect of physiological conditions, but are very limited on psychological ones. And I think very early on, it said here, physiological and psychological. So the author is not going to agree with this one. D, had the study described in paragraph four been conducted in, in a different institution, the researchers would have been more likely to, to use more robust controls. Uh, the institution had nothing to do with it. It was only just how you set up the study. Uh, so again, I said earlier, I might have to come back to it because I don't like any of the other answers. Yeah, and, and Ryan, this is kind of a, one of the tricky things of the MCAT is that it's one of the tricky things. It's one of the nice things. It's a multiple choice test. So ultimately, only one answer can be right. And no matter how necessarily maybe bad or messy all the answers are, there's always going to be a best answer. So A is not necessarily the most obvious answer in the world. It's one that, like you said, we have to do a little bit of inference work on our own to get to answer choice A, but it's still better than answer choices B, C, and D. Because like you said, you can point your finger at reasons why B and C and D are individually wrong. Whereas A is like, okay, I mean, I got to kind of, you know, jump from one place to the other. So I say, okay, first our author tells us that Doctors have more exercise conversations with wealthier or higher economic class patients. Then you tell me that no matter um, how many conversations the doctor has with the patient, that it's not going to change whether they stick with the exercise plan. So if we smash those two things together, right, just kind of throw those two things together, we can infer then that patients, no matter from what socioeconomic class they come from, that is going to not matter for whether or not they stick with the plan. So that's where A is coming from. Mm. Well, it, it takes a little bit to get there. It takes a couple little uh, logical step-by-step leaps there. But you did a great job here. You weren't confident it was right. You weren't confident it was wrong. So you went through and processed elimination and eliminated B, C, and D, which is what we want to do if we're not confident. Yeah crushing it last one last one we're, we're the five out of five is in play <laughs> oh and, and we're down to another roman numeral <sighs> all right um I, I think i'm reading this one question 25 which of the following could serve as an appropriate title for the passage roman numeral one physician recommended exercise plans disparities in action roman numeral two the benefits of exercise in addiction recovery Roman numeral three, doctors and patients both fail to adequately address exercise. Oh, man. Um, So I'm going to look at the answer choices, which Roman numeral number is the least in here. And number two is the least. Uh, Roman numeral one is the most. Roman numeral three is the second most. so I Roman numeral two to me, the benefits of exercise and addiction recovery, like it the passage had nothing to do with that. So I'm going to throw that out. So it's not going to be answer choice C because that's the only one that has Roman numeral two. And then I'm going to go with, uh, I'm going to go with Roman numeral three doctors and patients both fail to adequately address exercise. Um, yeah, I think that that would work. Um, so Roman numeral three is good, which leaves me with B and D. So I'm going to get rid of a one only 
And answer choice A, physician-recommended exercise plans, disparities in action. I think that works, right? Because it's showing the disparities, that physicians aren't recommending exercise enough to enough people, and they're not talking about it enough to specific groups of people. So I'm going to go with one and three, answer choice D. Good. I like that a lot. I think I agree with you. Two is maybe the easiest one to rule off right out of the bat, but then we still have three to, to distinguish between answer choice A, B, and D. And one and three are hitting slightly different aspects of the main kind of, you know, central route that we're going through in this passage, but they're both hitting it, I think, pretty well. Because if I were just to list out in my head, I like to do this just kind of a, a must-haves list of whatever I'm trying to come up with, like the main idea style questions here. Like, okay, they absolutely have to say something about the physician talking to their patients about exercise, right? That's, that's a must-have right there. They must talk about something about there being a difference in the way that physicians treat, you know, some patients or others. And, and one in three are hitting on those different elements on slightly different ways, but they're both talking about that. And that's kind of what these most appropriate titles are. They're just asking us for the main idea. Usually you, you give something a title that's, you know, telling you what's about. So I think that's perfect. <laughs> well, I don't know. These days, it's whatever the clickbaitiest headline is. That's true. That's true. Doctors treat lower socioeconomic patients terribly. That's that's the headline. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, five out of five. I did it. Yeah. Piece of I think cake. You, what, one thing I think you did a really excellent job here was, was you said, kind of going right into it, you're a little bit, you know, Wanted to tread carefully. So this is something you know a ton about already. You did a really good job avoiding bringing any of your own opinions into it and kind of having that cloud, which is a really difficult thing to do. But it, yeah. it, it, you have to do it to make sure that you're able to consistently uh, look for the author's opinion, main idea, all that good stuff. Yeah, awesome. All right. Um, what do you, b before we end here... Uh, we, we've talked about kind of breathing exercise, a little, little mini meditation before a passage. What do you do at the end of the passage? At the end? So at the end of a, a passage or at the end yeah. of a whole section? Yeah, a whole section. So let's say, uh, let, let's do kind of, uh, you have time left, which never happens, but you have a little bit of time. Do you trust your gut and just click next? Do you go back and, and recheck everything? Yeah. So this is, this is, I think to some degree, a personal, uh, thing. I think it's about knowing your strengths and weaknesses. So if you know that you're like a second guesser and that if you go back and check, you're for sure going to be switching answers and that's not necessarily be beneficial for you. I would be very hesitant to go back. Although one great feature of the MCAT is that you can flag the questions as you're going through them. And I think that there is a right way to flag and a wrong way to flag, in my opinion. So the way that I think is most useful to flag questions is one, if you're not confident in it, but it has to meet the second condition is it has to be one that not just you're not confident in, but that you think you could get right with extra time. So it can't be a complete guess and it can't be one that you've just been staring at forever going back and forth between two answers because, you know, more time is probably not going to help you there. But if it's one where you think an extra 30 seconds, 45 seconds would allow you to have a fighting chance to get the right answer. Those are the ones I'd recommend you flag. So that way, even if you're, you know, a second guesser type person, mm -hmm. you're probably not losing anything, right? It's one that you can probably go and solve for more. And I think that's a, a good thing to think about there when you're, if you somehow by some miracle, you have extra time at the end of cars, which 
I know I didn't, but if you do, good on you and, and try to use that time effectively. All right, so there you have it, the Blueprint MCAT Diagnostic Cars Passage 5. Rocking and rolling for you. Again, the diagnostic is available at blueprintmcat.com. I hope you have a great week. We'll see you next time here on the MCAT Podcast. This is MedEd Media.